it out, you got me mesmerized. With your black hair and your fat ass thighs. Street poetry is my everyday. But yo, I gotta stop when you drop my weight. If I was working at the curb, you would not pay. Hey yo, my man Fife Diggy, he got something to say. I like him brown, yellow, Puerto Rican, and Haitian. Mm. Name is Fife Dog from the Zulu Nation. So you're in the jam that we can get down. Now let's knock the boots like the group all right, y'all, what's going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is a place where you can say what you want as long as you've got them facts today. It's Monday. It's Monday morning, so you know what that means. It's a recap of the weekend. I got some NBA playoffs to go over. Mostly that. I, I am going to be talking about some Julio Jones, and let's talk about some Floyd Mayweather as well. All right. Let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, first things first, NBA playoffs. Uh, we're going to start off with Saturday's action, round two. I'm going to skip over Friday because, of course, it has a lot to do with Sunday's action. So we can we can kind of blend that, that together. But let's start off, like I said, with Saturday. Uh, the Bucks uh, taking on the Knicks, round two of the Eastern Conference. Uh, round two of the Eastern Conference of playoffs, game one. Uh, the Knicks get it done in this one, take a 1-0 lead. 115-107 is the final score for the Bucks. Bucks, they were led by Giannis, of course. Uh, in this game, he had 34 points, actually being the lead scorer between both teams. Uh, he also had four assists and 11 rebounds. Brooke Lopez would also help out as well. He would have 19 and five rebounds. Uh, and then you got Drew Holiday with 17 points, six assists, and nine rebounds for the Nets. Uh, KD would do his thing, 29 points from him, three assists, and also 10 rebounds. Kyrie would have 25 points as well as eight, re uh, eight assists and five rebounds. And Joe Harris uh, getting active as well. Uh, 19 points, two assists, and also two rebounds as well. Uh, like I said, Brooklyn leads the series 1-0. Let's get into some takeaways from the series. A uh, few things I wanted to go over. First things first, the Bucks did not come to shoot. 20% uh, from the three-point line, 6 of 30. That's not going to get it done against the Nets. You're going to need all type of scoring because you have a three-headed monster who pretty much that's all they can do. And uh, we'll get into more of what the Nets did in just a second. Uh, now, they also shot, this being the Bucks. they also shot 57% from the free throw line. Again, these are these are give me points. They're giving you these shots. You got to make them. Um, in a lot of cases, it didn't show up so much in this game, but in a lot of cases, uh, we look at some of these closer scores in these basketball games, and you start to break down the stats. Sometimes getting to the foul line and making and converting those baskets on a high clip is the deciding factor in some cases. Uh, not so much this time around because, of course, there were just so many things that the Bucks were out of sorts on. But, again, that's just one of those things that you kind of got to put a knock on. Now, they did score 72 points in the paint. Now, that's that might be one of their calls uh, to, you know, something that they can hang their hat on going into the next games or so course we know about Giannis uh, what he can do around the rim uh, we got Brooke Lopez there being a big guy and then Drew uh, Holiday can mix up his shot uh, sh his shots as well so can Chris Middleton although he was not truly a factor in game one I think he just had 12 points in that game now the Nets on on that hand on the other hand the Nets would outscore the Bucks 35 to 23 in the third quarter one pattern that I'm seeing in these playoff games is uh 
the third quarter somehow being some type of deciding ground. Um, sometimes, you know, well, in, in a lot of cases, you know, you go in there thinking, you know, it's a four-quarter game. Um, you know, we put so much emphasis on that fourth quarter. I remember going back to high school football. We all put our fours up. It's just that time of day. We take the fourth quarter seriously. Uh, but again, what I've been seeing is in a lot of cases, uh, particularly this year, I'm not saying, you know, if, if Probably if we're paying attention to other years, you might see this too. But somehow in the third quarter, it's just like some of these teams are just kind of turning on and getting a getting a decent run going that somehow you know ends up deciding in the game. For the Nets, uh, they were outscored the Bucks thirty-five to twenty-three in the third. Uh, like the, like I said, defensively they were on point as well. They forced six blocks, seven steals, and fourteen turnovers. Again, another knock to the Bucks there. Way too many turnovers. You can't be again. Ten turnovers is too much in a in a in a game. I'm sorry. Uh, that's that's points on the other end in a lot of cases because they. I mean, I mean that's a fast one break. That's two to one, three to one. You know the odds of the other team scoring are are are, are you know significantly high. Um, another good thing I will give the Bucks though is that they did have 15 offensive rebounds. That might show up in handy in another game. Again, just didn't show up here because there were so many things that they were lacking, so many other things that they were lacking. But offensive rebounds uh, was not one of them for the Bucks. Uh, you know, and rebounds in general. Now the depth did show up for the for the Nets. I know I've been you know kind of you know questioning them. You know, not giving giving uh, the Reds, sorry, not giving the Nets their just due because of this uh, part per se, uh, because I felt like I wanted to see them show up more. Uh, but I I saw it yesterday. I mean, with Joe Harris. I'm sorry, not yesterday, but Saturday uh, with Joe Harris uh, doing this thing. You also got Blake Griffin with 18 points. He would also have 14 rebounds and three assists. He had a double double. So I mean, again. You got that X factor. Uh, fortunately, Lamarcus Aldridge, he's no longer with the team anymore due to t due to health issues. So that would have been another wrinkle. Uh, but maybe I am being too hard on that bench right now. Maybe I'm being too hard on their death right now. And and they are some solid players. Okay, uh, Blake Griffin can do his thing on on a, any given night. He might not be as consistent as he used to, uh, like he was with the Clippers. But hey, he I mean, 18 points in a playoff game. You can say what you want. A double double. Uh, that's significant. Uh, now, hardest injury status is unknown headed into game two. I'm pretty sure we'll, at this point, there's probably already knowledge of that right now. I just, at this point, Monday morning, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, but by the time we're up here again, we'll be mentioned, probably mentioning him in the, in the box score by the next game. Uh, we don't know uh, per se, but he is awaiting results of an MRI for a hamstring injury. Uh, he was only available for about very limitedly in the first, I think the first couple of minutes, then he was pulled out. So I don't know how significant it is. He didn't come back uh, to the game. Again, his status as of, as of my reporting is unknown. Um, again, it could change at any point in this day or between game two. Uh, so, you know, don't, you know, don't hold me to that per se. Uh, but, you know, we don't, like I said, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know what he has. Huh. Let's move on. Uh, to Sunday's action, round two, we got the Eastern Conference Finals, of course. Game one, Hawks, Sixers. Uh, I think this is not did not go in the way that anybody predicted. I know I didn't predict it this way. The Hawks get the W and take the 1-0 lead in the series. 128-124 to 124 is the final score for the Hawks. They were led by, of course, Trey Young with 35 points, 10 assists. He also had two rebounds. Bogdan Bogdanovich and John Collins both scored 21 points. You get five assists and four rebounds coming from Bogdanovich. Collins will get you four rebounds and also a couple of assists. Uh, for the Sixers, Joel MB 
of course, with that 39 points, 40, sorry, four, four assists and nine rebounds. Uh, Seth Curry, sorry, yes, Seth, not Seth, Seth Curry, 21 points, three assists, and four rebounds. And Tobias, Tobias Harris would have 20 points, three assists, and 10 rebounds. A couple takeaways from this game right here. Uh, Four-quarter rally for Philly comes up short. They would outscore the Hawks 41-29. Uh, they pretty much would outscore Atlanta in the paint 58 to 40 as well. Uh, but Atlanta, uh, for what it's worth, it's like a tale of two halves where the Sixers seem to come out a little bit hotter and more aware in the second half. Uh, Atlanta controlled the first half. They had a big first quarter outscoring the Sixers 42 to 27. Um, again, they had a pretty good second quarter and they were able to ride that out. Like I said, um, there was a big, excuse me, a big run by Philly near the end. But, unfortunately, they couldn't get it done. Um, is this indicative, of course, of the rest of the series? We're just one game in. I wouldn't get too excited either way. Um, but Embiid was there. Simmons was there. Simmons has a lot of work to do defensively. I know people love to talk about him defensively and how he's, you know, somewhat up there and, you know, maybe underrated. But a performance like that. I don't always see it. I, you know, I'm not gonna see it in that in that type of performance. Uh, let's move on. Uh, we do have some news to go over as well before I let you guys go. Uh, Terry Stotts uh, is fired. Um, there's gonna be some changes in in Portland. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, what's this is pretty much a what's next for Portland part two. Now, after nine seasons at the helm, Stotts and the Blazers have mutually decided to part ways after Portland's first round loss to Denver. Of course, we're not gonna get into that all the way. Not at this second. Stotts had a 402-318 record with the Blazers and is the second winningest coach in the team's history. His eight consecutive playoff appearances is the longest active streak uh, amongst active coaches. Now, in his tenure, he also led the team to two Western Conference Finals, one in 2019. I'm oh, sorry, he led him to one Western Conference Finals appearance. Again, that was in 2019 where he pretty much got gentlemen swept. And then we had a two, we had two semifinals appearances. However, he has a 23 and 44 playoff record. Now, after Stotts' departure from the Blazers, star Dame, uh, Dame Lillard would express his interest uh, in the former head coach and current Lakers assistant Jason Kidd, whom he has a close relationship with. Now, I I can only imagine the two big reasons why. To be honest with you, again, this is me looking on the outside in. Is that he's from the Bay and he's a point guard. That's the uh, that's the only way. Um, I would I, I mean personally speaking, being that you know he personally just recently got hired, I don't see why you wouldn't go with Pay Gary Payton. I mean uh, he's a point guard too. He's defensive minded, uh, much much more defensively inclined in my opinion than Jason Kidd, and that's one of Portland's bigger problems: the fact that they didn't they don't play no defense like that. Um, um, you know, so when I'm looking at it, you know, I'm and with that being said, Kid has since removed his name from the running, claiming that his relationship with Dame maybe would make things awkward, which I would understand because again, um, Dame looks to be kind of in his, I wouldn't say in his feelings right now, but kind of like, damn, you know, um, I don't know how to, I don't know what to gauge right now. Of course, everybody wants him to be traded. Everybody wants him to go to LA. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, I think there's two things that might be that we're not seeing right now. I, I know we can look at Portland and say, well, Portland's not a good team. Portland isn't this. We can say whatever we want to outside of, of course, you know, I'm a Portland fan. I'm not going to say those things. But 
anybody outside of the, the, the area, anybody that's not a fan, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to have their whatever knocks and say, well, he should be traded here. He should do this. He's so much more than this. After years of watching him, okay, I've come to the conclusion that maybe he's just a tier below what we're trying to say he is, okay? Um, I personally feel like, especially if we compare him to a point guard, I, I, I've, I've said this for a while now. He's a shooting guard in, in disguise, okay? Uh, he's more on the lines of CJ. So, you know, maybe just a little bit more accurate in terms of shooting than CJ. That's what I see. I see two I see two CJs on the court. I see two Danes pretty much on the court. Dame, Dame Tom, and you got Dame Light, okay, which is McCollum. He's not as accurate. He's not going to pass the ball as much, but he can pass the ball too if, you know, if you give him, if you tell him to. He can shoot the ball pretty well too, especially from three. Uh, it's like, it's like, it's like Urkel and Stefan. It's like, you know, McCollum is Urkel, and then you got Stefan, the cool one, you know, with Damien, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not going to say that, you know, Dame is not a great point guard. I've, I've seen many great moments of him. You know, I've seen many clutch shots. And I've seen many moments in which he's made his personal glory known. But as a point guard, as a true goat in the league, one of those things that are supposed to, that's supposed to ring with you is that you're supposed to elevate the play of the others around you. And I cannot, I cannot truly say after all these years that I've that I've seen that I've seen him elevate the Portland Trailblazers on a consistent basis. I've seen him, I've seen him get his own personal glory. I've seen him put his own buckets in, but I've not seen him or McCollum actually make those teammates better. So, I, I'm not gonna say he's not a superstar. I'm not gonna say he's he's not an all-time great, but again, we have to understand the semantics behind all that as well. And and so that that's his avenue. His avenue. He's gonna, he's gonna always be a volume shooter. He's gonna be an all-time great volume shooter. And uh, I think you know there's things that kind of keep him just a notch below the rest of those those winners. You know and. <sighs> And do I think it's Portland? Uh, Portland does play into this. Portland sets up the team around him. Neil O'Shea. Um, of course, Terry Stotts, he makes up the game plans, of course. And that's going to influence who they, you know, go out and draft, who, out they, who they go out and pursue in free agency. And we have to also have to look at Portland as a free agent destination. It's a small market. Um, the only people that are going to get paid there are CJ and Dame. So really, the the only incentive would be is that Portland would be actually really, really good, which they're not really, really good. Uh, they're above average. Okay. Um, does a new coach drastically change that right away? No. Um, it, I still think it would take at least a process of uh, three, po uh, you know, at least two, two, two seasons max. You got Dame, and, and, and the cool part about that is you have Dame and McCollum already in their 30s. I mentioned it one other time. Maybe you do after you let go of Nurkic. Uh, again, I, we already mentioned we, we. I already you know clamored for letting them, them letting go of Stotts, but maybe you let go of Nurkic. Maybe you let go of CJ. Maybe you build up a little bit uh, around uh, Lillard a little bit more um, and say, look, you are the focus offensively. Um, to some extent, or you bring somebody in around him. Maybe you trade CJ and, and try to bring somebody in around him. Maybe you, maybe you bring a volume shooter, another volume shooter in to go along with him and CJ. I don't, I don't know the best way to go about it with this team right now because of you know their salary cap. 
Um, this is one of the most pro the pro most profitable teams in the NBA right now, but our salary cap is going to two players. Uh, so it forces us to give up draft capital, which we did to get somebody like Robert Covington to give you shit in the playoffs. Um, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, Melo has done some things. He's had some good games. He's had solid performances, but... You know, we need we need that on a consistent basis, and we're going to need that for the future. You know, um, that's why I'm very I'm, – I'm pissed that we traded Gary Trent Jr. He should have been that next guy up in line ready to take the reins. And, and we decided to get somebody – again, uh, we got a vet in Norm Powell, but, again, he's older. How much – you know, he's owed a lot of money at the end of the season. Are we going to pay him and bring him back? And if we do, we'll have even less to bring anybody else in. So we're in a very tough situation. Um, I know you want to keep Dame happy. Uh, but we got to be very careful about who we bring in here on a, on a coaching uh, on for that for our coaching uh, spot. Um, in terms of possible candidates, we have one uh, former former assistant assistant. I don't know his name off the top of my head right now. Other uh, other potential candidates include Mike D'Antoni, which I'm vehemently against. Um, I don't like it. We also got Jawan Howard from the from uh, Michigan's basketball team. Uh, I'm a, I don't know how, how to feel about that one either. I feel like he would still need some more time to establish himself. Let him let him let him make Michigan a winner. That's where his alma mater is. Leave him alone for now. Uh, you also got Chauncey Billups in the mix. I like that one. Um, he's a new relatively new face. Uh, but he's a he's a point guard. He's somebody that could understand where Dame is coming from, understand his game. Uh, we also got Jeff Van Gundy. I'm a little bit iffy on that one because of his track record. And then in certain circles, I've heard in this one article, I was reading one article why Becky, Becky Hammond should be a choice. And before I know, I know I'm gonna I might get some flack for this. I don't care. I don't I don't I don't agree with that. Um, I, I don't I don't see the track record. I don't see the experience. We could sit there and say, you know, ex, you could sit there and say assistant this and assistant that. There's a lot of assistant coaches that deserve a shot, including one of our own. So uh, I, assistant in the league for many years, that's not the biggest thing for me. Um, I, I, I would have loved to have a championship caliber coach coaches. I'd love to have somebody who is one of ring coaches who knows how to win. But uh, if 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 that were not work, I like Chauncey Billups. I would I would I would settle with Van Gundy. I wouldn't be happy with it. But somebody more along along the lines of the defensive minded, um, even if they're not don't have a championship pedigree per se. Nick McMillan would have been a good choice, but it looks like the Hawks want him, especially where they at right now. But but uh, I'm not I'm not in for the I'm not in it for the 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 signal virtual the, the virtual calling. You know, pick a Becky Hammond. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna press that here. Uh, she in her one game that she she coached, she didn't show any type of finesse and coaching aptitude really on that level just yet for me. So, um, I'm not buying that. That's 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 a real dark horse in my opinion. I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like that. I think that we'd be doing that more so for headlines and and just feel good stories as opposed to basketball. And I would be vehemently against that trade. And I wouldn't, I mean, that against that signing at that time and at this time. And I, I, I wouldn't take this team seriously at that point. That's just me. Sorry. I'm just going to call it how I see it. All right, y'all. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to break down some Julio Jones. And uh, we're going to get into some Floyd Mayweather as well. I'll be right back, y'all. 
We are back with some NFL news, and of course, like I said, Julio Jones is on a move recently being traded to the Titans. Atlanta has sent the all-pro raw receiver in exchange to Tennessee in exchange for a second-round pick next year and a fourth-round pick in 2023. The Falcons also sent over a sixth-round pick for 2023 as well. The trade is, of course, pending a physical, which I'm pretty sure Julio Jones should pass. Uh, earlier in the offseason, the Titans would lose two of their top pass catchers, raw receiver Corey Davis, who signed with the Jets, and also tight end John U. Smith, who was signed with New England. Uh, the Falcons... Uh, needed to make a move salary cap wise uh, because again uh, Jones had a 23.5 million cap hit going into the 21 season. With this trade, Atlanta can split what is owed to him between this season and next season. So it was a smart move, um, you know, uh, by both teams. Now the cold part is is that uh, the the trade has only high in terms of Vegas odds of winning the division now they, they're their odds of winning the Super Bowl have slightly increased of course slightly increasing winning the conference right but their odds of winning the AFC South are just tied with um, the Colts now at 8 and one so I that that leads me to to read this situation as two things either Either they're overrating the Colts slightly, which I, I think is some of it, or or in a lot of people's minds, this this trade, I mean, is is good, but hey, you know, Julio Jones is is thirty two. How much could you really get? I think there's well over thirty at least. I think there is something left in Julio Jones's game. Um it's kinda funny though because I guess according to him, he wanted to go to a team that was not only a winner, but a team with a strong arm quarterback. And as much as Tannehill is accurate to an extent, I don't think he has an arm like that. But um, nevertheless, here we are. He's in. Uh, he's in Tennessee now. Like I said, it, it makes both. It makes sense for both teams. I think both teams got out of there uh, relatively. You know, they made a good move. I mean, again for. The Falcons, you need to create cap space in some reason, in some some capacity, because they couldn't even sign their um, their rookies, including Kyle Pitts. Um, so they couldn't sign their rookies, uh, and maybe at this point they'll be able to find uh, maybe another free agent wide receiver. Uh, maybe not, definitely not on the level of Julio, but somebody there that you know at least Ryan can throw the ball to. So you'll have that, and again, you have a quality receiver going to Tennessee. Um, it's AJ Brown still the number one. I would say so because of his youth, because of him having that uh, rapport with Tannehill. I will still say he's the number one, but 
you definitely have somebody who can take some attention off of him as well. Uh, so you do have something potent there. Um, you have Derrick Henry running on the ground. Uh, unfortunately, you don't have the tight end uh, that you did with Johnny Smith. I think that would have definitely made you, given you another piece. I think that would actually give you a little bit of an edge in terms of the odds of winning your division, uh, quite personally for Tennessee fans. Uh, they kind of missed out on, on letting Johnny Smith go. Uh, but, you know, they have a solid receiving core. Uh, they're running back, of course. They have one of the best running backs in the league. Uh, they have a potent, they have a solid enough defense, uh, middle of the road at least. That's where it was last year. So, uh, I mean, looking at they, they, they're looking to make some improvements on the defensive side. Uh, so I think that I mean the trade itself was pretty decent, and I think it does enough to catapult them. Um, I think to, in my opinion, I, I would give them the kind of the nod in the division because they stay so consistent. I don't know what you're going to get from Carson Wentz this year. That's the whole thing. Um, people are, are quick to, to quick to, to crown the Colts, um, and, and I'm not too sure why. I, I'm not impressed by what Carson Wentz has done the past few years. Uh, that defense is solid. Uh, I'm a little bit iffy on their wideouts, and their running game is, is actually pretty good. And they do have a good offensive line, but I'm not too sure about Wentz. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not bank. I would, I wouldn't have banked everything on him. But that's, again, that's personally me. Uh, now Jones was selected by uh, the Falcons. Uh, he was the number six number six player overall selected in the 2011 draft. Of course, he's coming out of Alabama. He is their franchise leader in catches with 848. He's their franchise leader in receiving yards with 12,896. And he's second. Think about it. Julio Jones is second in in uh, in franchise in the franchise history in touchdowns. Who do you think he's second to? I know a lot of y'all should know this. Roddy White. That is going to show you how great Roddy White was, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure um, Roddy White is probably sticking to him in all those other categories, catches and receiving yards. Uh, I, I mean, damn. Um, also, uh, Julio Jones's 95.5 yards per game average is the best in NFL history at this point. He actually has 10 more. He averages 10 more yards a game. The current Hall of Famer Chad Johnson did, aka Ocho Cinco, aka I was just boxing last night, did in his career uh, by at least ten yards. Like I said, ten yards over that. So if if uh, of course you do the math, Ocho Cinco was getting about eighty five yards a game. Julio Jones basically about a hundred ninety five. Um, now he has dealt with some uh, injuries during the years, at least the recent times. Uh, he only played in nine games last season, and uh, his stat line wasn't that great. Uh, he had 50, 51 yards, 771 yards, and three touchdowns. Mind you, I said it wasn't that great, but again, this is on par with your average NFL receiver. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Uh, Jones has had more, sorry, he has had eight more 100-yard-plus games than all of Tennessee's receivers combined. He's had 58 total in his career. All of Tennessee's receivers have just had 50 altogether. I, I'm surprised it, it's even that close. I just I just don't see I, – I, I don't know how long Andrew – I'm sorry, A.J. Brown has been along. I don't know who else they got in that receiving core. So, yeah, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but again, I think um, Julio Jones is definitely an asset. I think he has one or two good prominent years, well, at least productive years left, and then he, he was probably going to slide off. Um, 
I think this probably might be his best season. <laughs> uh, Atlanta was smart for letting him go right now. <laughs> I mean, but it's like, it's the way that y'all structure your contracts is just crazy. Like, you pay the man more so as he, as he goes, gets older, it seems like. And it's like, wow, like he's regressing, but you have to pay him more. At least you having to trade him. I, I, I know they don't want a top-heavy contract, though, but, like, damn, just pay him. Pay him when he's young. Pay him when he can do something. And then be like, hey, go ahead and leave now. <laughs> you did what you can do. Thanks. <laughs> and tell him what he can do. Take him out to pasture. I mean, because that's a lot of, uh, that'll be a lot of money to give somebody 30-something years old, 23 mil. Again, they didn't have enough money to cover they they uh they draft pick, so that's that's it right there. That's pretty much why you have this trade. I mean, they need to sign other people. It's not just about Julio Jones, no matter how successful he's been. Especially if you're in a situation now where you haven't been to the final, well, you haven't been as far in the playoffs as you'd like. Uh, you haven't been to the playoffs. I don't think um, since that loss uh, to uh, New England, if I'm not mistaken, maybe just once. So it hasn't looked super great for them. So I. I definitely understand the trade. All right, y'all. This this episode was going to be a little bit short and sweet. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, last night's action. Floyd Mayweather, uh, he's taking on your boy. Was it Logan? Which Paul brother was? It don't matter. Paul, one of the Paul brothers, right? He gets the job done, of course. It was an exhibition match, so it wasn't like there was supposed to be a winner, I'm guessing. Um, They took punch stats, and, of course... You know, Mayweather looked, you made your boy look like a, like he just couldn't see, like he was blind, like he was pawing at stuff in the, in the darkness. I think um, Logan or Paul, whatever Paul was, I'm just going to call him Paul. Hi, I'm Paul. He only landed like 30% of his punches, 7% of his jabs. Albeit Floyd didn't throw a whole lot of punches or land a whole lot of shots either, but again, he looked to be a, a lot more crisp, a lot more effective. Um, you got a lot of people saying that, uh, well, you got some people saying, oh, you know, especially Paul himself saying, oh, you know, I won. I stayed up the whole eight rounds and, you know, you didn't knock me out. Well, I think there's the big reason of that, uh, for that guys. Um, Paul came in there about 200 pounds. So he's about 50 to 60 pounds heavier than Floyd. You're not always going to knock out somebody that's bigger than you. You can beat them up. You can you can bust them open and stuff like that. But you're not always going to knock out that bigger guy. Um, did Floyd beat him up? Yes. Did Floyd look effective in that fight? Yes. Um, do I feel anything about him? Do I feel like he should be taking on the best of the best in the welterweight or junior welterweight division? No. Um I think he's done with that. I think he's just having his fun. I don't think he wants to do it anymore. He's putting on these fights for a showcase. This was what it was about. I think a lot of y'all are riding into it a little bit too much. Either way, you know, I mean, he's having his fun. There's no reason to be, you know, there was no reason to really be hateful or having some spite towards him. That's what the fuck he's going to do. Um, he can call those shots now. He's he's earned it, in my opinion. So I don't... Again, we'll get into more about how I feel about Floyd in my video about him. I'm, I I got that in the works, so don't worry about that. But as, a, as as far as this fight is concerned, no, Logan didn't win shit. He got beat upside the head. He was ineffective throughout the entire fight. Um, yeah. Um, him standing on his feet, again, um, I think the win is, okay, yeah, we're talking about a world championship fighter in Floyd. 
Yes, we're talking about a championship fighter who hasn't fought on a championship level in some years now. We're talking about somebody who's 44 years old. We're talking about somebody who's 50 pounds lighter than you. The knockout didn't come for those main reasons there, mostly because I would say uh, the weight advantage. But Floyd was hitting him with some good-ass shots. That, again, if this fight would have went 10, possibly 12, Logan would have probably got dropped, at least dropped. I'm not saying knocked out, but he probably would have got dropped. It looked like he could have got dropped at any point in this fight. I almost felt like Floyd carried him in this fight as well, only to kind of keep him on his feet, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, you know, Paul didn't offer nothing. I'm not. A, I don't see where he won anything. And again, again, you got you got the the Floyd haters going to tell you, oh, he he kept him up for for eight rounds. Again, he ain't knocking out somebody fifty pounds heavier than him at forty four. To stop all that, stop all that. I'm more. Again, I'm still more impressed with Floyd that he's still getting in the ring and letting these guys give him the, get the shot. He's giving everybody a shot, and you can't fuck with him. Okay, so he look look. He went in there with all the best fighters in the world. You can sit there again. We're gonna we're gonna get into deeper about how y'all feel about that. Y'all could talk about their age and when and and how he chose them. I don't care about none of that. He beat him point blank. You can talk about where he fought him. He only fought him in Vegas, right? Whatever. I'm pretty sure he knocked out Ricky Hatton in Britain. I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but he's had a few different fights off the Vegas Strip and he still won. You just can't beat him. That's just the point. Um, it's just the fact that he fights in Vegas because that's where that's where the big money is drawn for boxing. I don't know why you guys don't understand that. That's why he fights there. But again, that's not necessarily the point in this video, this episode. That'll be a point in another video. <laughs> but anyways, more about this fight. What did Paul do? Like I said, nothing but talk shit. And then the fight was over. I feel like I won the fight. He didn't he didn't drop me. He didn't knock me out. But you didn't do shit. You didn't hurt Floyd. Floyd seemed to be relatively having fun. And you came in there 50 pounds over to him. And you didn't hurt him. You should be ashamed of yourself, young man. You should be ashamed. Um, yeah. That's what I'm going to say. You know, but y'all got money. So I'm not tripping. I'm, I'm pretty sure y'all both happy. Y'all made a, a multi-million. So I don't know why, you know. <laughs> I don't know why anybody's you know that mad at him. Like I, I mean, I'm pretty sure none of those guys are mad. I, I think if, if boxing fans or fans in general were just that you know not into it, if you want to send anybody a message, don't watch it. You shouldn't watch the fight. I'm pretty sure that the fight did pre pretty decent numbers in terms of um, pay per view. I'm pretty sure a good number of people uh, streamed it. So let's get over it. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna watch, if you're not gonna, if you if you don't like it, don't watch it. Otherwise, don't complain, don't bitch about it. You know, it ain't it ain't worth it. You don't look good. It, it's not a good look, guys. You don't look good. Complain about what a, another grown man is doing, what he's doing with his career, how he's making his money, how much money he got. Y'all don't look y'all don't look good doing that. You know, let the man make his money. If y'all don't want to watch it, then don't watch it. That's if you want to send him a message and say, look, we don't want to watch you fight no more. Don't, don't watch the fight. It's that fucking simple. I don't know what to tell y'all. Uh, but anyways, I'm going to call it a wrap for today. Like I said, it's going to be a pretty, pretty short and sweet episode today. Uh, we will be getting coming back pretty soon. We'll, we'll be, sorry, we will be going over the playoffs. Uh, there is a there is a uh, war on the street segment I want to get into. There is a cop killing militia in California. Yes, I said it. You heard it here. Cop killing militia in California. I will be getting into that later on this week on the podcast. As far as the YouTube is concerned, of course, you already know uh, the room. Um, 
a room review is is under construction. It should be coming out soon. Uh, we also got again, like I keep mentioning, this Floyd Mayweather stuff. I'm working on that as well. Uh, we'll be having like a career retrospective. Why you hate the game? That's what I'm gonna call it. No, nah, I'm, I'm not gonna call it that. I'm not gonna call it that. But I had I was inspired by a song by the game by the same title. But I'm not gonna call it that. That's just my inspiration. But outside of that, of course, I got the Rugrats review coming up. It is summertime. Uh, I do want to get back into some sports reviews. Uh, so we are going to be going over SummerSlam, uh, one of the very one of my very favorite SummerSlams, the first ever TLC match. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. That's later down the line, uh, not too far down the line, but it's coming. Uh, but yeah, as far as that is concerned, we are done. You can hit me up on my email. Well, actually, follow me on Instagram. Jamal 791-E-L-J-A-M-A-H-791. I'll be leaving that link in the description. Uh, you can also follow me on Facebook as well. Uh, never, never out of bounds. Sorry. Knocked over. Uh, bumped into my laptop a little bit. Excuse me. Um, follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. I'll leave those links available to you guys. Also, be be sure to check out the YouTube channel. Of course, same channel. Never, same name. Never out of bounds. Got my reviews on there. Uh, my most recent uh, projects, I got the Worst Republican Cities on there, part one and part two. Check that out. Uh, my highest view video is a sports story about the late, great Brian Potter. Uh, please check it out. Uh, leave some love. Leave a comment. Um, yeah, I got a lot of stuff on there that you might find interesting. I got to look through my... I got to... I think I'm going to um, change my thumb thumbnails over the course of time, though, because I want I want to bring some more traffic. I think that's part of part of I think I want to have some better thumbnails to, to get y'all to look at my stuff. I think y'all be seeing it and be like, what is this? What is this even pertaining to? Y'all might look at the title, but I want y'all to look at that. <laughs> I want y'all to have a visual repre representation as well. So I'll be working on my thumbnails so y'all can have something to look at. But anyways, that's my inner thoughts. That's how I'm feeling today. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. I'll let you guys later. I'm going to go eat some breakfast. Peace out.